0: Ignition sequence start. Six, five, four, three, two, one, zero. All engine running. Liftoff. We have a liftoff. 32 minutes past the hour. Liftoff on Apollo 11. Tower cleared.
1: Welcome to Space 3D. This is Eleanor Rangers, one of the co hosts of the podcast. And today, we thought it might be fun to listen to some outtakes we've been saving from our very first interview this season with Dwight Stephen Bonecki, who is a Skylab mission expert. He's published mission reports for all three Skylab missions and is getting ready to debut a documentary called Searching for Skylab this July at Space Fest in Tucson, Arizona. Dwight was a delightful interview, and there were so many interesting anecdotes from his discussion with us, which did not make it into the first podcast, so we thought that a separate episode might be fun to create for our listening audience. One of our other co-hosts, Emily Carney, performed the primary interview functions during our initial recording, so you might hear her on some of these outtakes. And as a bit of a plug for our esteemed co-host, Emily was recently recognized by the National Space Society as the 2018 top social media space evangelist for that little Facebook page of over 14,000 members called Space Hipsters. Congratulations, Emily. In this first nugget, let's listen in on Dwight discussing the general health of the last Skylab crew and how their mission helped to bridge to the next U.S. space launch system known as Shuttle.
0: One thing I can say, I I wanted to bring this up, Uh, against all expectations, the SL-4 crew, the very last crew that were up there for 84 days, came down in better shape than any of the other uh, crews that went up. And that completely threw the medical analysis team down on the earth Because they expected The opposite They thought The first crew Would be coming back Down in the best shape The second crew Second best And the third crew The, the worst shape And they proved Them all wrong And they came down With better metabolism Than anybody else mm.
2: That's incredible What what, what do you Chalk that up to? Uh, Ed Gibson was saying To
0: us They were very Very regimented About making sure That on a daily basis They had a minimum Of half hour uh, uh, Physical exercise Okay And Uh Again, going by memory here, I think they increased that to one hour. I can't remember, or that was a recommendation they did for, for the crews for, for the shuttle missions. Um, another thing, just to deviate uh, slightly, SL4 was, in principle, the very last um, mission before the shuttle flew because ASTP, although they did experiments, was much more of a symbolic mission. Um yes. Basically capping off Apollo Whereas Skylab was the last mission Where they were studying every single aspect Prior to the shuttle flying And when you read the uh, the Crew debrief in, in the mission reports book uh, You will see it's a very different Debrief to the Moonwalker crews from Pete Conrad and Alan Bean They were very matter of fact Blah 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 we did blah 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 And you know, everything is regimented in, in the typical Discipline style whereas the SL4 crew being all-rookie and the uh, bridge crew to the next uh, uh, level of of NASA's program, which was the shuttle, were very, very conscious about constructive criticism of what can be done to improve, because they were already thinking eight years in advance when when the shuttle would fly. Mm -hmm. (laughs) They were very, very uh, descriptive in every single shortcoming. When you first read it, you're like oh, guys, you know, you're being a bit harsh here. But then when you when you look at it from the point of view of how they were wanting to help the upcoming shuttle crews, uh, their, their debriefs were probably the best because they were so concise. They were very, very particular about the problems that they experienced being up there for 84 days. That that was way longer than any, any shuttle mission ever flew for. And they figured, well, we we've got to put this information to good use.
1: In this next anecdote... Dwight provides us with some background on how Skylab came to be, including how it even got its name. That was great. Can I ask one one last question um, regarding the, the the genesis of Skylab? Because as memory serves serves me, initially we, we had planned up to Apollo 20, but then when those programs got canceled, everything kind of got re-envisioned into the Apollo Applications Program. And... I I was just, I I can't remember, how did we end up deciding to go to Skylab and then uh, deciding, oh, hey, this is a great opportunity to get more long-duration exposure and actually start looking at some of the physiology that's occurring up there?
0: Cool. Um, Good question. When you look at the genesis of NASA, a space station was always the center point of any plans they had. It was only until Apollo became very much a reality in planning that they uh, pushed to the side because of the the method of going to the moon, which was lunar orbit rendezvous. And that did not have a need then for a space station. The original plan that Werner von Braun was, was imagining was a space station would be up there and serve as a waypoint for astronauts coming up to then further fly onto the moon. And when Apollo came about, they decided everything would be contained in the one rocket. The command module and lunar module would fly coupled together to the moon. The lunar module would detach, go down to the surface, come back up, dock with the command module, and then they would fly together back to the moon, ditch the lunar module, ditch the service module, and just land the command module in the ocean. And that that's how those missions took place. But Vannevar von Braun was always very adamant he wanted a space station. And so uh, he fought very much to have the Apollo Applications Program uh, become a reality. And it was in, I think it was 1970 that they they, uh, named it Skylab. It was a, a, a gentleman in the Air Force. I can't remember his name, unfortunately. Came up with the idea. It's a laboratory in the sky. Let's call it Skylab. And then that is how Skylab came about. And as Joe Kerwin was telling me, um, that's where they figured out the time for studying long-term missions in space was because of Skylab. The the planning of Skylab was where they said, now we can take the science seriously. Uh, The exploration of the moon was over. Let's do the science. Let's study how the body reacts in in zero-g for a long period of time and originally it was 28 missions 56 56 with the the possibility of extending it and that's what they did for sl4 they originally were scheduled to go up for 56 days and then they extended it to 84 figuring as well it was the last mission uh, until the shuttle with the exception of astp and that's how it came about that they stayed up for nearly three months and uh Thank God they did. It's just, uh, it's, of, of all the missions, I think, for the science alone, they did for the video demonstrations and things. It's my favorite mission. And I'm so glad they stayed up there for that amount of time.
1: Yeah. yeah. Some of you may be wondering, how did Dwight become so Skylab obsessed? Well, we did manage to ask him that very question. curiosity, Dwight, is how did you get interested in Skylab? Many years.
0: <laughs> when I was nine years old uh, in, in the uh, primary school in, in Sydney, uh, another student had put up a little sign that said, Skylab is falling and it's going to hit Australia. And from that day until the uh, July 11th, 1979, I went to bed, scared, uh, how to put it nicely, scared out of my wits, as did every other school teacher. Child, my age, we were nine, ten years old, and I remember the night where it came down. I was just because, as a little kid, you assume it's not going to hit anybody else except your house. So from my from my sort of very uh, just before my teen years, I was aware of Skylab because it hit my homeland, and I remember as with the extreme of reading about the the kid in Western Australia who found the piece and was flown to the United States and got (laughs) $10,000. And myself and all my friends were like, what would we be able to do with $10,000? I could buy all the Lego I wanted. (laughs) 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 And then uh, um, uh, how I got into Skylab was actually, like, properly, seriously, When I was writing the book, Live TV from the Moon, I had the fortune of speaking with Stan Labar, who was the head of the Westinghouse Lunar TV program. And we would always talk about Apollo, and he was very proud of what they did on Apollo, but he he always would come back and go, look, Apollo was great, but what we did on Skylab, Skylab was fantastic and blah, 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 blah. And he said to me as well, had they not had the problem and had to to put the parasol through the uh, camera port, they would have put a TV camera on the end of the T-027 experiment, extend the TV, uh, extend the pole, and shoot Skylab from a distance of, I don't know how far that thing went out, but you see the shots of the shuttle when it's orbiting to dock with the ISS. They were going to do that with television footage for Skylab. Wow. (laughs) (laughs) And they had to ditch that idea because they couldn't use that port for the TV camera anymore. Yeah. Oh, gosh. That would have been really cool. <laughs> wow. So, uh, the, the, and I was very fortunate to to, to pick up an old collection of VHS tapes that somebody had gotten from uh, JSC many years ago, and they were all Skylab recordings. And thankfully, they all had the slates at the beginning, which would tell me what day of year the the footage was from. And then just by cross referencing the missions, I could I could chronologically put the stuff together. And when I did the second book, Live TV from Orbit, I decided to concentrate on Skylab, ASTP, and the shuttle. And, of course, Skylab takes up a very big portion of the book because there was just so much TV. Mm. And then from there, I got very, very interested in in Skylab, and it ended up surpassing my passion for Apollo.
1: Something of a curiosity on Skylab was how NASA solved the problem of helping the crew members remain stationary at a workstation in microgravity. Take a listen now to Dwight, followed by co-host Emily Carney, describe an elegant solution to this challenge.
0: Oh, and this is the other thing, too, uh, just a nice little tidbit of uh, information. They had a wire mesh floor that was like crisscross metal. It looks basically like chicken wire. And they had shoes that had triangles on them that could lock into this grate so that the astronaut could stand on the floor, lock his foot in, and he was actually locked into place. He wouldn't float away. And that was, ai thought, what a fantastic idea uh, to solve the problem of being in zero-G and having to stand in place when you're doing something.
2: Yeah. Yeah, those, uh, those shoes are cool. Like uh, I think I've seen pictures. They, they used them on a, a, the first space lab mission just to test it out and see what, you know, because the, they had a couple different kinds of restraints on there to test it out, which I thought was pretty neat. They went back to the Skylab design for a little bit. I thought that was really cool.
1: Well, something that's a bit of an inside joke during this interview with Dwight is described in this next exchange about hygiene on Skylab as mostly regaled by co-host Emily Carney. And then we cut to a continued discussion about some other aspects of hygiene that, well, just take a listen for yourself.
0: Yes, uh, I'd like to know a little bit uh, from the Emily Carney point of view about the shower system they installed on Skylab.
2: (laughs) Well, um, (laughs) yeah, well, uh, this doesn't really have anything to do with space medicine, but I'll I'll discuss it anyway. Uh, They did have a shower aboard uh, Skylab. Uh, There's a very famous uh, picture of uh, astronaut Jack Lausma I would like to add is a very uh, nice guy and a a really good sport. He's got a good sense of humor because, uh, you know, Jack Lausma is, and I I consider him, you know, he's an iconic, you know, Apollo era astronaut. He, He flew on Skylab, you know, one of the, probably the most successful, you know, Skylab. I mean, they were all very successful, but they were dubbed a super crew and they got a lot of their, you know, more than their objectives done. And then, you know, he goes on and, flies the shuttle and lands it at white sands which is pretty incredible too but um what he's remembered for probably the most is uh posing in the skylab shower and uh you know covered in soap and uh, and it's funny i've actually talked to uh Lausma about this picture in question you know he's very modest he was like i was wearing shorts he was wearing those orange bermuda shorts that they had um uh, and he only used it i believe uh from what, if I'm remembering correctly, I, I hope I am. Uh, he only used it that one time because uh, it was very time consuming. Because <laughs> uh, in zero gravity or microgravity, uh, water acts like a gel. It doesn't act like uh, water, you know. So there's no gravity, so you know it, it, it's very hard. You basically have to squirt it on using like a gun, like a jet, and uh, it gets everywhere, and it's 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 you know, you have to kind of wipe it off immediately, so uh, he said it was a very time-consuming process and not very convenient, so uh, he only used it really that one time, but it did work well, I mean, it got them nice and fresh and clean, but um, they found that, uh, you know, just sponge baths, what they, what they use in the ISS now basically uh, worked just as well uh, and was much more convenient. Uh, there was one uh, Skylab. Did not use. Who would not use the shower? Who refused? Uh, I put his name out there, but I don't want him getting mad at me. so <laughs> yeah, I know
0: who you're talking I about. Too, and I it. Yes. <laughs> so Emily knows. I'm pretty sure I have uh, a photograph or film footage of every single Skylab crew member under the shower. Yes.
2: Ah. Yeah, he's even got Kerwin in the shower.
1: Oh my gosh. Wow, because I've only seen stills of Conrad and, of course, Jack. So
0: that's- oh, I can even go one better than that, I, and it had to have been—it had to have been part of the engineering records. They wanted to see how the astronauts went to the toilet. So they I'm looking at this footage that we're analysing for the film, and I see Pete Conrad come into shot in the in the bathroom. And Emily, you've seen this, yes. yes. I'm looking at it, the next thing he pulls his pants down and goes sits on the toilet. I'm like Uh what
2: <laughs> Yeah.
0: And it's, yeah, it's like... both performances he does. <laughs> on film.
1: Oh my gosh.
2: Yeah. yeah, he was probably the unfortunate guinea pig for that. I'm yeah, wow. Yeah. He didn't do, I, I, never mind, I'm not saying anything. He was not in bad shape, you know. I mean, I don't know. Whatever little
0: short dude on the toilet. <laughs> I can't say I drooled over him, but, you know, it was uh, a funny video to look at.
2: Yeah.
1: Long-duration spaceflight can be a challenge for the body to recuperate from, even when you're in great shape. Take a listen now to hear what happened to Skylab 4 crew member Ed Gibson when he made some unfortunate assumptions about his post-flight physical abilities following his time on Skylab.
0: He actually, this coming, coming, is something to do with medicine, so um, I don't know if you want to record this. Uh, he said when, because they, they were overconfident when they came back down to earth because they were so healthy, mm-hmm. he decided to go for a five-mile run or thereabouts the two days after they came back to earth. And he said his, his joints couldn't handle it because the, uh, the cartilage around the knee deteriorates a little bit, even though they were in good shape. There were physiological changes that happened to him And he said he came back from the run And that was it, he could not walk for two weeks
2: Oh my god Wow Yeah, I hate to say that's kind of on him But that's incredible Because I never even thought Like, wow You know know, That's actually really interesting to know Because I never thought, you know What would happen if somebody did that And now we got somebody
0: who did it, you know (laughs) <laughs> he was out of He said, Oh boy, did I learn the hard way. <laughs>
1: <laughs> Ed Gibson was not the only astronaut to experience readjustment challenges to Earth's gravity. Here, Dwight gives two more examples of this, citing experiences of Skylab crew members Jack Lausma and Joe Carwin when they returned from their missions.
0: To come back quickly to Jack Lausma, he was also relating the story when they were on the carrier after Splashdown. And uh, he wanted to shave And <laughs> he <laughs> oh, finished no. shaving put the, put, the, put the aftershave Just held it out in front of
2: him Expecting it to float What did it do? <laughs> it crashed onto the floor <laughs> Poor Jack <laughs> He's like I just wanted to look photogenic <laughs> I,
0: th- I think it was actually even Joe Curran That said uh, he got out of his bunk ex- Expecting to f- float to the other side And <laughs> he just went Boom just <laughs> These little things where they were subtly reminded, you're back on
1: Earth, buddy. We have many other anecdotes from our wonderful interview with Dwight Stephen Bonecki. But we thought we'd leave you with one final comment on Skylab that reminded us that we're eagerly anticipating the release of Dwight's documentary, Searching for Skylab, during Space Fest in July 2018. Look for Dwight there, as well as Emily Carney, who will also be a Space Fest participant. On behalf of Emily Carney and our other co-host, Tom Hill, this is Eleanor O'Rangers. Thanks for listening, and see you on the next Space 3D Podcast.
0: As nice as the ISS is, for me, it doesn't have the majesty of Skylab. You You see them running around the ring locker. You can't do that on the International Space Station.